The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. Today's buzz, finance. Okay, Over the past 12 weeks here on Financial Excellence with Game Changers Radio, we have covered game-changing approaches to finance transformation for companies of all sizes, industries, footprints, maturity levels. You're out there. You know who you are. We don't know who you are. We're trying to help you with your finance transformation. Today in our series end, we're going to review the valuable lessons many of our experts have shared and figure out how your company can further enhance Embrace, innovate, whatever it is you need, get those strategies in place, get those technologies in line, and achieve your own financial excellence goals. Now, just to recap what we're going to be talking about today, we're going to cover GRC, that's risk management, board risk oversight, the role of internal audit, you know, the IA department, how are they driving your risk programs, integrating governance, risk, and compliance activities across your company. Yes, we're also going to be covering EPM, the business innovation and transformation, strategic execution, how has business planning evolved, and efficiency in financial disclosures. Could be an oxymoron, not sure. And last but not least, we'll cover finance, mobility, and shared services. So we have a big job today. I have four experts, three of whom have already been on the series, welcoming the back, plus a newbie. So let me tell you a little bit about them. They have quotes to offer us, and that's how we're going to start the show. John Steele at Deloitte, who was on April 16th with me, says, and he Quotes attributed to Peter Drucker and incorrectly attributed sometimes to W. Edwards Deming. The quote is, you can't manage what you don't measure. There are some key words in there. We'll be finding out from John Steele in a few minutes what he means and what it means to you. Joining us again is Steve Player from Beyond Budgeting Roundtable. That's the BBRT for the uninitiated. He was on the show on May 7th. And Steve says, those who believe something is impossible to do, should stay out of the way of those who are doing it. Love that. It's a permutation on many famous quotes. I looked them up, Stephen. I had a good time with that. He'll be telling us what that means to your company for financial excellence and transformation. The newbie on the panel today is Bruce Carpenter from SAP, and he says the following, long-term sustainable company performance is best led by integrity. There's a new I word for us. This requires that the risk management and compliance functions be integrated with other management functions 
organizations rather than we know we don't want to be in separate silos so they can't operate alone. And they need to play an active role in initiatives such as finance transformation. And Bruce says, and he has his hand on some kind of an official document here, each day I strive to make my work useful and relevant to management. Bravo, Bruce. We'll be asking him about that. And rounding out our panel is our friend Kurt Billifer from SAP who was on the show on April 16th. And Kurt is calling all the way from Singapore again. And he quotes the televangelist Robert Schuller who says, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? Love that quote, Kurt. I have to have it embroidered somewhere. So join us for the next hour for Financial Excellence Roundup, Lessons Learned and Onward. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're live. It's Tuesday, June 25th, 2013. We're here on the Business Channel. Glad if you're joining us live. If you are, please join the tweet party at hashtag SAP Radio. If it's not live, hey, you can tweet anytime at our stream, and we hope you listen and pass along the information on the show. Quick question from my Game Changer listeners before I introduce the panel. Your vast volumes of business data demand what? Instant access and timely, insightful analysis. SAP HANA to the rescue. Go to our page on the Business Channel, click any banner, and go to a page with a lot of free information resources, including a free value calculator with our compliments. Now let's find out who's waiting in the wings to talk with us today. John Steele is a principal in Deloitte Consulting's technology service area, and he's a leader in the SAP finance transformation practice, which is why he's back with us today. John has more than 20 years of experience in consulting and corporate environments with a focus on SAP-enabled business transformation initiatives for the past 14 years. John Steele, welcome back. How are you today? I'm doing great, Bonnie. It's great to be here again. Thanks. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. This roundup is special. We haven't done anything like this before, so I'm going to task you and your fellow panelists with helping us put a big red ribbon around all these wonderful words of wisdom and insights so that our listeners can help figure it out a little better for their company. So thank you, John. And John, where are you calling from today, by the way? I'm in beautiful Houston, Texas today. I'm glad to hear it's beautiful. That's good news. Steve Player, you're a busy guy. Steve serves as the North America Program Director for BBRT. That's Beyond Budgeting Roundtable. He works with BBRT member companies to implement continuing continuous planning processes. He's also the managing director of Beyond EPS Advisors, a business consulting firm. And if he's not busy enough, he's the founder of ABM Smart. Steve Player, how are you today? Great, Bonnie. How are you? Wonderful. You're just off a webinar a couple minutes ago, so thanks for fitting us into your busy schedule. How'd that go? It was great. We were talking about SAP and mobility and how it's enabling finance to really get off the back of the boat and start looking forward. So uh, a continuation of what we're going to talk a little bit more about here in just a little bit. Wonderful. Glad to have you back on the show. Thank you, Steve. Bruce Carpenter developed Sybase's internal audit department in 2001 and served as the company's compliance officer. Subsequent to Sybase's acquisition by SAP, Bruce moved to the SAP Corporate Audit Department as the VP of Global Sales and Services Audit. Welcome, Bruce Carpenter. How are you today? Really good. Thanks, Bonnie. Great to be here. Glad to have you. And where are you calling from today, Bruce? Simon, San Francisco, California. Okay. And tell me, where's the accent from? We want to know. (laughs) It's a New Zealand (laughs) accent, Bonnie. Okay, thank you. And Kurt, Kurt Billifer is the Regional VP of Analytics for SAP APJ. For those of you under a rock, that's Asia Pacific Japan. Under Kurt's leadership, the analytics team focuses on developing and driving the growth strategy that enables business excellence across the region. He oversees sales and operations, and he also helps to improve 
customer satisfaction. That's what it's all about. Welcome, Kurt. How are you today in Singapore? I'm doing great. Thank you very much, Bonnie. Great to be here. Good. Thank you. What time of day or night is it there, Kurt? It's just past midnight, so it's Wednesday for me. You are a brave trooper. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. These are the real the, the real radio folks who know you want to do live radio. You get up any time of the day or night and you call in and there you are. So let's go back to the quotes. I know we're all curious to say to see what you're thinking. John Steele at Deloitte, you say you can't manage what you don't measure. Not your quote. Maybe Peter Drucker's. What are we talking about in this financial excellence roundup, John? I think it's important for everyone to understand exactly where they're trying to get to before they start their journey. So understanding where your organization fits today and the measurements that you use to determine success. So if you're going to go through the effort of of going through initiatives and planning out a roadmap, what are the exact improvements that you're going to to uh, expect from those improvements? And uh, you mentioned as part of the overall one of the uh, things for SAP HANA, mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot of interest from our clients uh, for HANA, and what we're doing is pinpointing exactly how HANA can improve their business processes and what those results are. So if you had a process that, that used to take three days, now it'll take 15 minutes under HANA, what's the exact business value that's going to be unlocked? So make sure you measure that. Good. Good to know. Thank you very much, John. Good intro, and we're going to move now to Steve Player at BBRT. Steve, those who believe something is impossible to do, take a breath, should stay out of the way of those who are doing it. Yes. What does that have to do with financial excellence today, Steve Player? Bobby, we've, in the whole realm of planning and control, we've seen a radical change in how people are doing it, abandoning budgets, moving to rolling forecasts, and doing things that, that – a decade ago, people said finance would never do. Well, we've got a number of companies like Unilever, uh, Statoil, American Express that are already doing it. We've got companies that have already done it. So uh, we've got great transitions to, to really kind of share and, and show. Uh, John's point's well taken, uh, but in the measurement of success, oftentimes in progress, when you implement something, it doesn't go from here to straight improvement. You go through a valley of despair. You go through a dip in performance as people learn and become accustomed and accommodate the new. They often will see the performance deteriorate. If managers lose heart during that dip, that that valley of despair, they'll abandon, and you'll wind up with worse performance. You've got to you've got to understand not only where you're going to get to, but the the journey which may go down before it comes back up, uh, and make sure you're tracking that and making sure you're progressing all the way. But again, you got to just keep looking at the people that are doing it and figure out if they're doing it, why can't I? Okay, so quickly, what is the impossible? Those who believe something is impossible, is it the better way to figure out finance transformation? Is it those who say, hey, not looking so good right now, maybe we should shift gears, go back to the old way, which kind of sort of worked. What's the impossible specifically, Steve? The impossible is to try to keep doing, you know, what we were doing before and hope to get better. You know, you know, finance mm-hmm. does a lot of dumb stuff that we ought to stop doing. We hang on to doing variance <laughs> explanations. We hang on to doing budgets that are out of date shortly after they're printed. We, every year we keep coming back doing it over and over. So we've got to say, is there a better way? What's possible? Can we move to continuous planning? Can we move finance to a place where it really adds strategic value? And so the possible is, is really changing the way we plan and control the organization to one that's much more effective. 
Thank you. Good, good insights. And let's move to Bruce Carpenter. I'm a little tight on time here. We're going to squeeze Bruce in. If we don't get to Kurt, we'll start the second segment with you. So Bruce says, long-time sustainable company performance is best led by integrity. And then you talk about breaking down the silos and integrating, integrating with other management functions, the risk management and compliance. So let's talk about integrity. Whose integrity are we specifically talking about, Bruce? So I think really it's the integrity of the processes and the thinking that drives company performance. The Open Compliance and Ethics Group talks about principled performance, achieving excellence through operational integrity and and the soundness of company processes. I like the image of a car speeding along an autobahn. You know, I feel like my job is to make sure that it doesn't ever touch the barriers on either side. Okay, I bet you play a lot of video games. (laughs) I'm terrible at videos, but that's that's really what we're talking about is watching that car hit the sides and not quite make it to the end point. Very well done. We're, we're going to dive more into your quote later on in the show. Thank you, Bruce. And I do have time to squeeze in Kurt from Singapore. Kurt quotes Robert Schuller, and the quote is wonderful, Kurt. What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? So who should know that they can't fail or is everybody going to fail? What's the deal here with finance transformation, Kurt? Well, I think I think CFOs need to suspend disbelief, and, and they need to do everything that the, that everybody's been talking about, right? So it's, it is move to a steward of the business. It is start to introduce financial transformation and do things differently. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk now of, you know, you can't save your way out of a crisis, right? Yes, you have to continue to innovate and, and do things to improve the business. Um, and so I think I think that's really what we need is we need our leaders to be bold, you know, to obviously have a strategy and a, and a plan to execute that strategy, but they need to make to be bold, especially in in times of economic uncertainty, which seems to be, you know, what we've been living through for the last ten years, and certainly we look forward. There's there's a lot of uncertainty, so I, I think you know we need that confidence to move the business forward, um, and and people are looking to senior leadership, both the CEO and the CFO, to provide that guidance. So, so that's what I mean when I say, what would you do if you couldn't, if you knew you couldn't fail? Thank you, Kurt. You know, I was on a, a phone call just before the show today with a panel of startup businesses who will be my guests in a couple of weeks on SAP Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio. And I read this quote, and they were just jumping through the line, Kurt, saying, I want that quote on my show. I want to use that quote because we're talking about the energy of startups. What could you dream? What could you do if you knew you couldn't fail? Great quote. Thank you, Kurt. Okay, we're off to a running start here. You're listening to Financial Excellence with Game Changers Radio presented by SAP. Today is our series wrap-up, our roundup, maybe a rodeo. It's Financial Excellence Roundup, Lessons Learned and Onward. My special guest today, John Steele at Deloitte, Steve Player at Beyond Budgeting Roundtable, BBRT, Bruce Carpenter at SAP, and Kurt Villifer at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Don't even think of touching that dial, that app, that mouse. We'll be right back with lots more. You don't want to miss these lessons. You will learn something, I promise. Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now. According to IDC, by 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. 
SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments? Questions? Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Here we are talking GRC, EPM, finance, all the good stuff that keeps your company moving forward if you do it right. And we're here to help you learn how to do it better, Financial Excellence Roundup. We're talking transformation with John Steele at Deloitte, Steve Player at Beyond Budgeting Roundtable, Bruce Carpenter at SAP, and Kurt Billifer at SAP. My most important question today, of course, to my panelists, what are you drinking today? We have to talk coffee break. John Steele, what's in the cup? Well, it's a hot summer day in Houston, so I actually have an ice-cold Coca-Cola. Oh, nice. Very nice. Now, of course, we know there are at least 50 flavors, permutations, sizes, and shapes of Coke. So I want a little more information. Is this Coke Zero? Is this Cherry Coke? Is this Classic Coke? What is it? This is Coca-Cola Classic. The uh, original. Nothing is more uh, refreshing on a hot day. Let me tell you. <laughs> I'm going to tell our friends at Coke to hire you for that one. Very good. You know, it's got the caffeine. Good for you. Okay, keep you awake. Steve Player, BBRT. What are you drinking today, Steve? Molly, we're drinking an a, a oasis of opportunity here. I've got three weeks <laughs> in my office, which is an unbelievably long time for me. And so I am going through with, uh, with my cup here, going through all the past opportunities and getting everything reorganized to hit the road again. And what's really in your cup? Coffee, tea, water, milk, juice, soda. What are you drinking? Folgers. Okay. <laughs> all right. Knew I'd get that out of you. Okay. Bruce Carpenter, SAP, what are you drinking today? Okay, Bunny, so my secret's out. I drink flavored coffee. I know many people don't really like it, but, but that's fine by me. So my favorite's vanilla nut cream. And uh, I get it from the local coffee shop just around the corner. Um, Vanilla nut cream. That's interesting. Is it have mostly a nutty flavor, or what does it taste like? Uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's a nutty flavor with a little bit of sweetness from the vanilla. It's, it's really good first thing in the morning. Wonderful. Very, and you like it hot or cold? Hot? Oh, no, def- def- definitely hot. Okay, okay, thank you. Kurt, I, Malcolm just posted a wonderful picture of you, Kurt Billifer, on social media and SAP APJ on our tweet stream. Kurt, you're probably looking at it right now. Great picture. So, Kurt, what are you drinking in Singapore today? What's the drink of the day or the night? Well, it's, uh, I'm just trying to stay healthy. So, uh, so right now I'm drinking a concoction of green vegetables. So uh, apple, kale, spinach, parsley, cucumber, and something else, and lemon. Um, so I, I, I have about uh, 60 ounces of this stuff whenever I'm not on an airplane because it's the only way for me to get my, my vegetables. Um, wow. So I'm on right now. Yes, and then wow. it's too thick for a straw, so it's, it's big gulps. 
I would imagine, or a big spoon. Good for you. Very, I, I'm in total admiration. That's not what I had for breakfast today. Malcolm says, I'm stuck in a hotel, hotel drinking a strange brew, missing my cup of love. Malcolm, by the way, has switched brands, everybody who was on the show before. He's no longer a, uh, an Equator Coffees fan. He's a Phil's Coffee, and that's P-H-I-L-Z, and he's absolutely madly in love with Phil. So, Malcolm, drink up whatever it is. We'll get you back home soon. Now it's time to start the roundtable. We're having too much fun here. Steve Player, I'd like to kick it off with you. You told me, and this is from the, your past appearance, but we're doing a roundup, so this works. Many consultants seem stuck in the past, arguing for quote-unquote better budgeting. They seem to have forgotten Peter Drucker's advice that the biggest waste is to do efficiently that which should not be done at all. Let's kick it off with that, Steve. What are we talking about? Well, buddy, I think sometimes the way people approach change is just to try harder, do better. They try to automate their own broken process. They try to, the best analogy, they try to pave over the cow path. And they try to, you know, take an old broken process that's not working very well and try to say, if I try harder, I can do better and and put more effort in it. When When a much more effective way is to just stop what you're doing and say, should this be done at all? There's a whole bunch of stuff that if you would stop and eliminate, you would get to a much better answer much faster. And by the stopping, what I call stop doing dumb stuff, if you stop mm-hmm. doing the dumb stuff, you create open capacity. And right now, everybody's you know flooded with way too much to do. The only way they can make that work is you got to take something off the table to create some space for which the new can grow into. But don't try to just improve. Radically change. And that's what I think finance transformation is really about, is asking finance to really redefine who its customer is, how it serves its customer, and, and, and rethink fundamentally with, with what's available in new technology today, new processes, new procedures, not to make it faster, to make it radically mm-hmm. different, to make it much, much better. Steve, that sounds very scary. I want to get John Steele from Deloitte in here. John, I, I have a statement from you from before the show. I think uh, ties in nicely with what Steve is saying. You, you observe many companies continue to struggle with the overall closing process and how to manage it more effectively, particularly the generation of consolidated financials. You talk about closed transformation and the last mile of finance. So would you recommend to companies, John Steele, that they, they do what Steve say? They just scrap everything and step back, let the smoke and the debris clear and, and take a fresh approach or that they refresh? What's your POV? I think they've, that companies, especially when it comes to the closing process, really have to follow uh, some of the advice that Steve is giving in terms of analyzing every step during the process to determine why is it there in the first place and whether it, it adds any value and who the consumer of the information is that's output from that process. Because uh, when Steve mentioned before, and I agree from what I'm seeing with my CFO clients, that the the role of finance is evolving towards one that supports a, a continuous forecasting and planning mode and more forward-looking than backward-looking. So the closing process itself is is somewhat of an artifact. It's absolutely necessary, but there are steps during uh, that process that, that probably don't make sense anymore, and there's information that's not really being used. So if it's not absolutely critical to internal or external stakeholders, then that should be taken away. Uh, And that's definitely important to make sure that you're not automating things that are unnecessary as well. So our our most successful clients, when they're looking at a closed transformation, have radically transformed it. We recently helped a company go from 
uh, a 17 day closing process and we're, we're just finishing it up and they'll move to a four day closing process globally. And to get there, we really did have to go step by step by step and eliminate a lot of those activities. What was left, we did automate using some of the new tools that are available within, say, the closing cockpit or BPC. So overall, overall, I agree. I wouldn't say blow up, but definitely disassemble. Oh, very, very interesting. Okay, I'm, I'm seeing all kinds of toys and games in front of me when you say that, taking them apart and trying to put them back better, and maybe not use all of the original parts. Bruce Carpenter, I know we're, you're you're here because of your expertise on GRC and compliance and risk. How do you relate to what we're talking about with Steve and John in terms of not just making it faster or better, but really examining it down to the core of the process? And what do you do? Maybe you blow it up and start again. What's your thought in terms of if you want to relate this to specifically GRC and compliance? So I think the first thing, Bonnie, is to make sure that we respect the value of the existing control framework. That doesn't necessarily mean that existing controls you know, uh, don't warrant reinspection and redesign, but I think it's important to respect the existing control framework and, and work out how that can be used as a platform for future finance transformation. But then associated with that, I think it's important to have a really careful discussion with management around the goals of the transformation and the associated risks to really understand the what can go wrong, that maybe the people challenges, maybe challenges with uh, getting adoption of new systems to make sure that mitigation plans are put in place so that the transformation can be truly effective. Okay. Kurt, I want you to jump in here anywhere you want. What do you see in terms of starting from scratch, uh, pulling things apart out of the bottom and saying, hey, we really need to examine why we're doing this at all and how to make it a better process completely? What, what's your thought? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, so so I'm at a two-day conference right now in Singapore with, with a couple hundred CFOs, and, and this is what they're discussing, right? You know, how do they do more with less, and, and what are the, the business activities that they can let go of or automate so that they can become more strategic to the business? Um, and accelerating the financial close is certainly important because they can gain time to, to do other activities, but um, there are a bunch of processes that the company did, you know, 50 or 60 years ago in, in a lot mm-hmm. of these older organizations that they just continue to do. So I think, you know, one of the things is they have to re- they have to revisit these business processes and, and determine do they still need them, can they automate them, can they improve them to enrich the, the experience and the insights they gain from these processes. And mm-hmm. that needs to be the first step um, with the intent of almost like a transformation of, you know, moving from more of a cost center to, a real value driver for the business. Kurt, you mentioned in, in the opening of the show, and I know we've talked about this with you before, that the Office of Finance itself is experiencing a transformation. And it's not just the processes itself, moving away from just closing the books to being what you call a steward of the business. Why don't you give us a big, the big 50,000-foot view on what you mean about by this, how companies can benefit from this insight? Yeah, so I mean, I, I think there's a couple of things. You know, the, typically it's the CFO that spends the most time with the data, with with the information that the company generates, and and they pour over that information to glean insights and and understandings and strategies. And those could be everything from, you know, tax positions to really what is my right to a risk management framework to hedging strategies. I mean, you name it. You know, they're living the data every single day. Um, and typically, you know, when we look at most of the big CFOs now for the, for the very large organizations, they've held various roles across the company. So 
in addition to understanding the data and, and how, how they can use that, that data to make you know, business decisions, um, they've had different roles, so they have a pretty good feel for the overall business. And so we're seeing this transformation. And in, in fact, CNBC did, a, did a, study, uh, a video on this about two months ago where they looked at you know, the CFO of Apple and some of these other organizations. And mm-hmm. these will all become the next CEOs in these very large organizations because it is about positioning. It is about taxes. It is about hedging strategies. It is about making the right sort of M&A strategies. And what we're seeing is the CFOs actually are sitting down with, with the COOs and the heads of supply chain and the heads of sales to really teach them how the business works um, because they're cross-functional and they're disciplined. And, and the one thing that the CFO does that really no one else in the organization does is they look at opportunities, but they also look at the risk associated with those opportunities. If you talk to someone in the supply chain, typically they're focused on just squeezing the suppliers to get the best price. They're not worried mm-hmm. worried about, do I have a backup strategy? Have I really just tied myself to a sole vendor? Same thing on the sales guys. Sales salespeople are great at selling more, but they're not looking at what's the downside risk. And and the CFO, you know, is is isn't always a pessimist. We always accuse them of being a pessimist, but they're more of a realist, right? They look at both sides of the coin, and I think. Given the economic uncertainty that we've had and that we'll continue to see, people want to bring that to the forefront to really make sure that, that they were, we're returning shareholder value. And at the end of the day, for publicly traded companies, that's what it's about. Um, so I think we'll see, we'll continue to see a big shift. And there are already a lot of now, there are already a lot of CEOs that were CFOs for these companies. And I think we'll see that trend uh, continue at an accelerated pace. Very interesting. Thank you, Kurt. You brought me right up to the break. When we come back, we're going to have a clear 13-minute segment on nothing but roundtable. I'm going to start out with the opening sentence, everyone owns risk. We're going to see where my panelists want to go with that. We're talking today to John Steele, Steve Player, Bruce Carpenter, and Kurt Bullifer. You're listening to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Listen and learn. A lot of great stuff coming from my very, very smart panelists. Our message today is Financial Excellence Roundup. Lessons learned in the past 12 weeks and onward. We're going to talk about onward. Where can you go? Whatever size your company, we'll be covering the full gamut. When we come back, don't even think of touching that app, that dial, that mouse. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I will be after the break. Brad, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now. According to IDC, by 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments? Questions? Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. 
And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Here we are. Je pense donc je suis. I have a wonderful panel today. We're talking about financial transformation, financial excellence, whatever it means to you. We're glad you're here listening to us. Lots of words of wisdom and insights. What you're looking for is insights from really smart people who live this stuff. They live it every day. This is their expertise, their passion, and what they know the best. So we're talking to John Steele from Deloitte. We're talking to Steve Player. We're talking to Bruce Carpenter. You know who they are. Kurt Bellifer. So let's dive back in. Our second part of our roundtable. Kurt, I'm going to kick it off with you, even though you were our last talk, last speaker. Everyone owns risk. What does this mean? Then I just want everybody to dive in. Let's talk about risk. What does it mean today for companies of all sizes? If everyone owns it, does that mean everybody goes down with the ship if risk gets out of hand, out of control? Kurt? Yeah, well, I mean, I think, you know, most people think that risk resides with the chief risk officer or the CFO. But but right. typically what you find is, you know, when when um, risk or compliance issues get exposed, that it's someone much further down in the food chain that created or, or introduced that risk to the entity. Um, and it could be everything from, you know, if you look at the Foreign Corruption Practices Act, which which basically, you know, is guidelines for how you work with public officials, that could be anybody in an organization that's interacting with a public official that does something that's viewed as inappropriate. It taints the whole organization. And, and I don't know if you saw, but, you know, Walmart's facing a massive amount of compliance, like $250 million, right? Mm. And, uh, and, it, and it certainly wasn't, you know, the, the senior leadership team that was having those conversations. Uh, just a couple of days ago, the Tokyo Mitsubishi Bank of Japan got hit with, uh, a, I think it was a quarter of a million dollar uh, sorry, $250 million fine because they processed 28,000 transactions illegally for sanctioned parties in the United States. Again, wow. it wasn't the head of the bank that did that, right? It's, it's some individual. So, so we also have to take responsibility for introducing risk into the organization and understanding the implications of that. Um, and those are compliance risks, but it could be other things from just, you know, making sure that we're up, updating people on where are we with the project plan of a release of a new product or a customer escalation. All these different things introduce risk. So we need a way to, to capture those risks, and I think that's where we start talking about a risk framework, but really to communicate them across the organization so that collectively people can start to put together mitigation plans to handle those risks. Mm-hmm. And uh, and those are the, the you know the extraordinary risks that we talk about, but but even things like you know making sure we're securing internal information um, and those sort of things. I think every individual owns, and and we have to make sure everybody understands their responsibilities and takes those seriously. Otherwise, it can have a profound impact on on the organization. It certainly can. And in the news today was the U.S. is filing civil charges impending against John Corzine, former governor of New Jersey, because he was at the helm at MF Global when people were moving customers' money into banks that said, great, we've got money, let's go spend it somewhere else. So that's my very simplified version of it. So the question is, can the father be responsible for the sins of the sons and the daughters way down deep in the in the organization? And that brings me to Bruce Carpenter. I want you to join in on this conversation. Everybody actually you say you need to ensure end-to-end integrity of controls. Let's talk about this from the perspective of any size company, not just the big behemoths like MF Global and, and Walmart. Let's talk about it all the way down to a small company, a startup, a, a lower-end SME, if you will. Bruce Carpenter, integrity. Where does it come into the process finance transformation? 
So, as I said before, Bonnie, I think the important thing is to understand the value of controls in providing this platform. Um, the control functions uh, designed effectively and operating well will guarantee that as a given person performs a job, they can be largely prevented from the risks associated with human error because there are mm -hmm. appropriate layers of review. And I like to think about this as, as offering individuals security in their, in their daily job performance because they can feel comfortable that their work um, is adequately safeguarded by the control system to prevent them from making serious mistakes. What that does then is provide the stable platform for growth and mm -hmm. for opportunity. Now, how do you build that into a new company? You want to start us off on that, Bruce? Sure. How does a new, how does a sure. new company build that in so that people understand the importance of giving a safe place to perform your job duties where risk is understood and there are mitigations? Go ahead. So I like to think about going into a situation and holding up the mirror. Um, the answers always lie with the people who perform the job 365-7. These are the people who really understand their business. So giving them a chance to look in the mirror and saying, you know, what do I see? What might go wrong with this? What would I change if I could? What are, what are the risks? And generally, if I'm talking to B-suite executives, the key question is, okay, so what might truly prevent you from meeting your performance goals for the chief executive? And asking these kinds of questions at any level of the organization can produce a range of what can go wrong. Armed with this information, you can work out what are the realistic things to mitigate and how you can either design controls or craft mitigation plans to provide a stable platform for growth. Mm -hmm. Imagine the worst nightmare and do something about it before it happens. Steve Player, John Steele, jump in. Who would like to take, take this to another level? Bobby, let me jump in here because I get concerned whenever you have a conversation of risk and controls and everything and, and all the things you can do and check and comply, the whole thing seems to swirl and get really, really complex. And I'd like to offer that the best way to control organization is to have transparency. And if a simple approach, small organization, big organization, the more transparency you have throughout the organization, the more you're relying on the minds of all the people in the organization to see, observe, and if things are, are out of whack, if you can, everybody can see it, it becomes self-evident. Uh, it's a great control technique. The more we, we, we overlay complicated compliance and rules and things like that that obscure things, the harder it is to ferret it out. And the more you hide things, the easier it is for hiders to hide things. So uh, a simple move for, for control would be, you know, A, focus on transparency, and then B, don't get caught up in the false illusion that something is actually a control technique when it's not. Budgets are a great example. People say they're control techniques. They're based on assumptions that are often wrong and make them out of date. So even though I follow my budget, doesn't mean I'm doing a good job of running the company. Uh, you know, John's earlier point uh, about closing the books, I'd argue mm -hmm. you shouldn't close the books two months out of the three or any quarter because the real problem is when I close the books, even if I close the books in one day as opposed to four days, it's still out of date. The operating people have moved on. They're controlling the business on a daily basis by looking at real-time measures, real-time gauges, and, and any kind of financial close is just a validation of something that they ought to be looking at on a daily basis. So with the technology and the transparency that systems give us today, I think you can give a, a simpler, more elegant 
elegant answer that obliviates the need for a lot of the routines we go through that give us the false sense of security that aren't real. If you realize in 2008, you know, people made their budgets, they paid their bonuses, and we still melted the, the economy down uh, because the controls were illusionary. They weren't real. Okay, John Steele, we've, we have evoked your name. Why don't you come in here? Sure, and, and Bonnie, I may take a, a slightly different spin, but in the Please same do. general direction is what we've been seeing with our, again, with our CFO clients is there, there's a real uh, game-changing technique available out there thanks to the in-memory processing that's becoming available. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've implemented externally and even internally within Deloitte using uh, tools like HANA, an ability to create the kind of transparency that Steve was just talking about, where uh, we're capturing data down at a very microscopic level, but through the use of in-memory techniques and sampling, you can basically uh, bring it up to a holistic level. And we've been able to help our clients uh, get much better compliance with their own internal controls. And as I said, we've even done our own uh, transformations inside Deloitte where we've been able to uh, uh, tighten up our processes to a level that we could have only dreamed of a few years ago because you literally could not crunch through the information in a in a timely manner. So that's something that uh, finance organizations should be thinking about, uh, achieving that transparency by ironically getting into a further level of detail than they ever have before. Thank it, you. It seems paradoxical, yep. but it's achievable. No, I, I think it is. And, Kurt, you, you made a comment to me before the show that performance management isn't a one-time process. It should be happening every day, which reminds me of some of the things that uh, Steve was just saying, that it's just moving so fast. So it, let's work in the topic of EPM here in terms of you, you can't just do it once and, and shut it down. What's your philosophy on that or your expertise? Yeah, so, I mean, I think, it's, I think part of it's a culture. I think, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, to me, risk and, and performance management go hand in hand, right? They're just the mm-hmm. two, two different sides of the same coin. And, and I think, you know, we need to make sure that we have a strategy and that we're executing the strategy. And, and, and you know, we certainly need transparency across the organization so everybody understands, you know, what can they impact and how can they impact it and, and what is acceptable behavior and, and what's going to introduce risk into the system. And, um, and I think, you know, that's just, that's just a culture. I think the single biggest challenge you have is, there still are a lot of organizations that believe that information is power, and uh, until we till we break that down and kind of get you know data democratization where everybody's got this this information and everybody's using it and consuming it and improving their decision making process, um, until that happens, you know then then it's going to be a challenge. The most powerful part of uh, performance management is that it's not the executive leadership team that holds people accountable or tells people what to do it's actually peer group recognition that someone mm-hmm. isn't doing the right thing isn't executing to the strategy and they're the ones that do the course correction because the real value of performance management is everybody moving in one direction or this value of alignment um, and if that happens it's it's part of the culture and and you know some operational metrics we're looking at every single day maybe things like cash on hand and those sort of things and then once a quarter, we're looking at more strategic measures. But, but again, it has to be ingrained in the DNA. It can't be just one or two people. It's got to be the organization. 
Okay, talking about the corporate culture and the organization, I want to go back to Bruce Carpenter's comment about the integrity of controls, and integrity is a word that pops up frequently with your comments today, Bruce. So why don't you take off where Kurt just left off and, and take us out. We've got about a minute and a half to break. What are you thinking about the transparency, about the fact that things have to happen every day? And it's the people. It all boils down to the people. I think that's what we're saying. How do you make your people have that integrity? How do you find those right people? How do you instill in them the culture of, we have transparency. You can't. You're all part of doing it the right way. You're part of our success. Bruce? Yeah, so I, for me, this always begins with tone at the top. And I think it's very important, the messages that senior management can, um, can drive through their behavior, through their example. I think it's important. One of the things I spend a lot of time is looking at company culture and understanding the range of policies that are in place so that employees at any given moment can understand what's expected of them uh, and make sure that they're in compliance. In the context of finance transformation, I think it's very important. I mean, even really important things like authorization concepts in any organization of any size, is it really clear who, uh, who's allowed to authorize any given transaction? And are these requirements clearly understood? And is there a process to find out if authorization concepts are breached? Um, and then I think moving forward, organizations nearly really need to respect the importance of demonstrating appropriate action in the unfortunate event that somebody breaks the rules. And uh, this doesn't always necessarily need to involve dismissing employees, but I really think that those employment consequences uh, need to be considered to make sure that people understand, yes, there are rules, Yes, we know we're going to inform you about what's expected, and then if you break the rules, there are, there are consequences. Okay, and my consequences are if I break the rules, we're going to go into our break, and we won't have time for all of you on my panel to get out that chamois, that piece of cloth, that treasured old blanket, and polish off the crystal ball. When we come back, we're going to look ahead to 2018, five years from today, and I'm going to ask my four panelists, John Steele, Steve Player, Bruce Carpenter, and Kurt Billifer, to look ahead and tell me what finance transformation and financial excellence will be like five years from today for companies across the board, industries, footprints, wherever they're located, whatever they're doing today, whatever size they are today, what will that be defined as in five years? I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is our final break, getting ready for wrap-up, series ending. Glad you're on board with us today. The topic is Financial Excellence Roundup. Lessons learned, and now we're at the part called Onward. Don't even think of touching that app. We'll be right back. Brad, out. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now. According to IDC, by 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com 
Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments? Questions? Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Before we go into predictions, I have a quick question from my Game Changer listeners. A rather reminder, hey, you want it when? You've got all that data sitting around. You need instant access and you need insightful analysis now. SAP HANA could come to the rescue for you too. Go to our page on the Business Channel on any of our shows. Financial Excellence with Game Changers, Coffee Break with Game Changers, and The Cloud with Game Changers. Click anywhere on any of the banners. You'll go to a page with some free informational resources. Look for the free value calculator on us. Okay, let's get down to business here. John Steele, kick us off. We're in our crystal ball segment now. What will finance transformation and financial excellence look like in five years? Go. Okay, I am looking directly into my crystal ball, and I see that the role (laughs) of finance will be more important than ever five years from now. The technology that we're seeing is going to create literally a shockwave that will go across the globe, and the ability to access Volumes and volumes of information in real time is going to make finance more important because you'll have to make sense out of all the information. So data is not necessarily going to be valuable without people to help interpret the information. So as finance transformation will continue to be important, but the focus will shift to one where finance is truly asked to partner with the business and provide valuable information out of the reams and reams of data that will be coming across. That's what I see for five years from now. And that will certainly continue to be, I mean, a topic, I think, for years after that as well. Will we still be having this conversation? Same same conversation as today, or will we, we be in a different realm? Will, will everybody get high speed in memory, and, and speed won't be a question? Will integrity still be a question, John? Will transparency still integrity be a question? Integrity and transparency will always be questioned. So we're, we're at the point where it, I, I've been calling it, it, it will be back to the future in five years. So in, in five years, companies will be able to get the same kind of integrated information they would have been able to get out of uh, something like an SAP R3 10 or 12 years ago when everything mm-hmm. was in there. So you'll have access to all the information, but you'll, it'll be finance's role to make sure the controls are there and that the transparency actually works. The, the, the CFO role will become more and more valuable, in my opinion. Good. Thank you very much. Good insight. Steve Player, you're up. I know you have something to say. Talk to me, Steve. Yeah, I, it's hard to look at a crystal ball and see anything. Uh, I do predict that we will see a lot of speed and an increasing degree of speed. Mm-hmm. But I see a lot of fusion happening where radically different ways to do business take over. And the finance function has a separate standalone functional silo 
begins to blur and become uh, much more like the silo of IT is becoming. There'll be a maintenance function. You know, somebody will do the mundane, run the, you know, the traditional transaction processing, but increasingly that'll get automated, things will get fused, and a lot of the junk we used to do will go away. So the finance person becomes much more front line, lined up with the business. It's an integral part, uh, and it's much more an embedded skill that's part of running things as opposed to a separate distinct function. We'll still have some old companies doing it the old way, but they'll be mm-hmm. dominated by the swifter, faster moving companies. You think three and a half years ago we didn't even have any any uh, iPad, there wasn't any tablets out there. Okay, that's how right. fast we've moved. Now it's hard to think of the world without them. Five years from now, it'll be everywhere, and we'll be moving past that to where uh, information is always at our fingertips. When that happens, it shifts our time so we can focus on a much more strategic and, and faster ways to develop our business model. Thank you, Steve. Good insights. Let's move to Bruce Carpenter from SAP. What do you see in the crystal ball, Bruce? Can you go five years? Uh, I think so. So for me, it's the increasing um, amount availability of technology for real-time data analytics. But associated with that, you know, the methodology around risk management's continuing to evolve. And so management's being asked to evaluate things like risk drivers, what causes risk, risk impacts, and we discussed reputation uh, earlier on today, and to consider risk velocity, you know, how soon is this risk likely to hit? And then associated with that, we're going to have a situation where the use of data analytics is going to allow my inbox to tell me each morning what areas I need to focus on and where where my focus is going to yield the best results in terms of helping companies achieve high principled performance. Okay, thank you very much. And Kurt Villifer, last but of course not least, what do you see five years from today in your crystal ball from either the APJ perspective or looking down at the whole globe? Kurt? Yeah, so I mean, I, I think the finance information and, uh, and the data that they can pull in to enrich all sorts of transparency, but, you know, for, to do better predictions and forecasting and all those sort of things. Loma's positioned the Office of Finance for, like, the chief data officer, Right, where where they'll mm-hmm. actually be the ones that that, that create and tailor and, and really nurture the most strategic and important information to the business, which goes way beyond transactional information. Um, and I think this is where the power analysts live, and I think you know they'll become the role model for the rest of the organization. Now, I'm not saying they'll become the data scientists, but I think mm-hmm. they'll be the stewards for not just the business, but for making sure that the data gets curated and, and used appropriately to really make those real-time business decisions that all of this technology enables, right? Because if you don't have the skill set to understand the signals and make the decisions, right. you know, real-time data doesn't really add much value. So I think that's really where we're going to see this. I don't think it's five years out. I mean, maybe in the three- to five-year window. But I I think this is where you'll see the CFO become more of a strategic element in the business. Thank you. And I have, you were all so tight and so brief and concise. I appreciate it. But that gives me time for a bonus question. Let's see. I'm looking. Brad, I think we have three minutes. Three minutes. Exactly. I must be a psychic. Okay. Three minutes. So I'm going to ask each of you to give me about a 20 to 30 second answer. No more, please, because I need to close out the show at the end. And I'm going to ask you, what is the DNA of this person, this transformational or transformative, very, very smart CFO in the next five years? 
a, a startup should look for this person, a big established company should groom this person or hire them, an SME anywhere on that spectrum should be looking or grooming that person. So who is the, the, the CFO who will really be rocking and rolling and moving ahead so that transformation will be happening and not just a scratch your head and what if in five years? So let's start very quickly with John Steele. Give me the DNA of the new CFO. The new CFO really needs to be someone who has a deep understanding of the business process and can elaborate a, uh, a vision and lead a team. Good. Okay. Steve Player. Uh, CFO's got a, uh, is an analytic with a bias for action, uh, who can, who can get in the front line and, and, uh, and be one of the team, uh, bringing the support that they need to be successful strategically. Wonderful. Bruce Carpenter, DNA of the new CFO in five years. Who is it? So a great collaborator, somebody who's a good listener and questioner and who knows where else in the organization to go to get good information around risk, be it legal, financial, or human resources. Thank you. Kurt, round us out here. Who's the DNA of the new CFO five years? Yeah, so someone from the third culture. Right? So this is concept of third culture kids, but they're actually older now. So someone that's foreign-born, foreign-educated, and now lives in a third geography. Um, certainly someone who's an extrovert. Right, so can work well with others and, and be that visionary. And I think you want them to have an entrepreneurial drive to try new mm-hmm. things, especially as you look at transforming a business. So I think all those things. And then the last thing, just on the leadership front, I think you need a leader that leads from the front rather than just rallying the troops and letting them go off. Will actually take them down the path. Okay. So I think that's Very what good. CFOs. Well, if we piece that all together, we'll have, I think, the ideal CFO in five years. I'm probably going to do a sound clip out of this last segment because so much good information was shared. Time for me to do my predictions, and they're easy. I wrote them down. June 26th, tomorrow, Wednesday, on Coffee Break with Game Changers. We'll be talking about mobility enablement part two, getting personal with your customers. Ooh, July 3rd, well, I'm taking the day off. We're going to be running the best of Coffee Break, the show from April 24th, People Who Need People, the Care Circles app developed by SA for families of autistic loved ones. Very, very touching and very, very important show. And July 10th, we'll be back live with banking fraud. How technology could have prevented ATM heists in New York City? Panel will include the CEO of Feedzai that provides credit card and fraud detection at sub-second response rate. I think there's a HANA in there somewhere. Okay, shout-outs. John Steele, Steve Player, Bruce Carpenter, Kurt Billifer. Thank you for being my final panel on this, the 13th week of our series, Financial Excellence with Game Changers. You've been wonderful. Great insights, great information. Thanks for playing in the sandbox with me for the hour. And of course, a shout out to Aaron Hughes and Michael Lortz who sponsored this series. And of course, my co-producer, Malcolm Kimberlin. And last but not least, as always, Brad and the Business Channel team. Thanks for getting us on the air, keeping us on the air, and in about 30 seconds, getting us off the air. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, leaving you with my closing thought. And you know what it is. Put on your seatbelt. Call to action. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. I'll see you live on the radio tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific on Coffee Break with Game Changers. Have a great one. Signing off for Financial Excellence with Game Changers presented by SAP. Bye-bye.
Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO and join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, here on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week. We'll be right back.